Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk, a new kind of podcast where no topic is off limits. We're bringing in experts and owners to have the conversations we should be having as a dog community. Each week, a new guest will share firsthand experiences, educational resources, or professional guidance to help you learn and grow along with your dog. You won't get one perspective here, you'll get them all, because every dog is different and every owner is too. You can follow along on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Straight Up Dog Talk or by visiting www.straightupdogtalk.com. Tune in from any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk. I'm Em, and we also have Josh here today for another episode. Hello. Today we have Charlie and Nicola from the UK to talk about the UK bully breed ban. How are you guys doing today? Good, thank you. We're good, thanks. It's really nice to have you on the show. We're excited and also heartbroken to do this episode with you because you guys are really going through something kind of terrible over there. And I think that it's not something that's really been well-documented or presented over here in the US. I didn't really find out about it other than on social media. So I'd really like for you guys to first kind of start off and tell us your story about your dog Enzo and and Biggie. And then we'll kind of get into the bully breed stuff. So go ahead and let's talk about how did you get Enzo and Biggie and what home life is like for you guys? Um, Well, we got Biggie came first. Um, he's nearly four and we got him just before the pandemic. Um, so effectively, he is a lockdown puppy because he couldn't go out and then we went into lockdown. Um, he's a bit of a character. And then Enzo came along last Christmas, or actually on Christmas Eve. Um, he he was he came to us from one of my daughter's friends and he uh, yeah, he was just. The, the the guy that had him want, didn't want to sell him, wanted him to go to good homes, and that's how he ended up with us. I didn't want him and said no. <laughs> uh, so my daughter said, can you just stay for a week? And he's still here a year later. <laughs> <laughs> and you had previously told me in the conversation when we were getting prepared to do this in review that there was a reason that you didn't want Enzo. Do you want to tell people what that reason was? I'm not very comfortable with big dogs. Uh, When I was younger, I got bitten several times by a German Shepherd. And I think, you know, there was, even when we got him, there was still a little bit of a stigma about having an XL bully, what they look like, they're pit bulls, they're dangerous. And I was very much of the attitude, I'm not having that in my house. They can snap at any minute. No. And yeah, he's proved me wrong. And I think knew as soon as he came that I was the weak link in the family and spent his time following me around and being as cute as possible. And yeah, he's still here. <laughs> what type of a breed is uh, is Biggie? He's a cockapoo. Okay. So much smaller. Yeah. So he's a mix between a spaniel and a poodle. So big difference in in breeds here, but they get along very well, correct? Yeah, most of the time. uh, If I'm being honest, Enzo's the one that wants to be friendly all the time. Um, He'll go and lay next to Biggie. Biggie will get up and move. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Biggie tolerates him, but Enzo just wants to be everyone's friend. He loves the cat, loves the dog. You know, he yeah, he's he's the one that's the the nice one, should I say? And the cockapoo's got a little bit of an attitude. It's funny how that is kind of backwards with the stigma on the bully breeds, but usually they're the ones that are the biggest babies out of the bunch. Yeah, and I find that when we go out as well, because sometimes you know people like children will come over and then say, "Can I say hello to your dog?" You know, when we were out on Halloween, I dressed them up. And I took them out for a walk and a lot of people were saying, can we say hello? And I said, yeah, maybe not say hello to the little one. (laughs) Hello to the big one. Uh, You know, he's the friendly one. So, yeah, it's funny how it seems to be the case that, you know, our smaller one anyway is, yeah, not as as tolerant. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about training. Uh, What have you done as far as training prior to 
the UK band stuff with Enzo and Biggie. Biggie, we couldn't take him training um, because it was the pandemic. There were no training classes available. Uh, so he really was just trained by us at home as best as we could. And he's pretty good. With Enzo, I was worried because of the size of him and the power that he was going to have. Obviously, if I'm walking Biggie and he sees a fox and decides that he wants to chase it and he's on his lead, I just give him a you know quick target and it, it's done. But with Enzo, I knew that you know if he grows to full size, he could quite easily drag me over, you know, cause accidents, and I didn't want him to be jumping up and you know being seen to be aggressive or an issue when we were out in public so I started we uh, I think it was about seven months old we went to a puppy training class which was a six-week course and yeah learned quite a lot there and then the lady that ran that said to us you know they do do further training but she thought he would benefit from someone that was better with bigger dogs so we started going once a week to a trainer in Essex called Homewood Hounds and they're really good um, you know, they're very patient. They, you know, they have all sorts of size dogs and they also do the kennel club training. So, yeah, we've just kept that up ever since. What is kennel club training? Since we're in the US and you're in the UK, I, I want to know what the difference between your training levels and definitions are. Well, I don't think it's necessarily the maybe the training's not any different. But our trainer said that if you have an incident where you go to court, the court will only recommend the gold. They will only recognize, sorry, the gold standard kennel club trained dogs. So if your dog gets into an incident and you end up in court, they will recognize that. But they won't recognize any other training, which is why I wanted him to, to be able to go there. Unfortunately, because the ban is going to come in, it means that any XL bully that is attending training will not be able to do any of the kennel club assessments because part of the assessment is that you aren't your dog cannot be muzzled and that is one of the things that's going to go into effect when the bully ban happens yes that's correct yeah when you say gold standard are there levels to the gold standard or is it just a, co a course that you complete and then your gold standard no. So you go through, first of all, you start with the bronze, then you go through the silver and then you go through the gold. And it's different. You know, like um, I would say bronze is, you know, they have to sit and wait. Um, you have to be able to loose lead walk them. Uh, you know, it's different, different levels of it. I know with um, like when we've been doing the training now, we do something called emergency stop, which is where, you know, and this is, I think, on the bronze. Um, you know, you put your dog at one end of the hall, you call your dog to you and you shout stop, put your hand up and your dog is supposed to stop and drop to the floor. Huh. So it's the level of control you have over your dog, you know, that, that gives you the different the different bands of training. So the more you go through, the more well behaved your dog is, I guess. OK, what level is Enzo on then? He's only on bronze. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he attends a class because when I went to first went to the training, they said they didn't really think that it would be a good idea for Enzo to be in in the lower like the puppy classes, even though he was young. He's very excitable. He will spend most of his time wanting to play with the other dogs. So they've put him in with the gold standard dogs because they're impeccably behaved and they're not interested in Enzo. Oh. Enzo therefore, you know, sometimes he'll lay on the floor and creep towards them on his, on, on his stomach like, you know and the trainer will say Enzo I'm watching you <laughs> you know and Enzo will just stop as if he's not doing anything whereas the other dogs pay no attention to him whatsoever um, so it helps Enzo to be around you know really well-trained dogs because it rubs off on him that's a that's a really good strategy actually put the put the mischievous dog in with the dogs that don't care about him so that he has to not be mischievous yeah yeah is there anything that you think that he's learned from these classes that have been especially helpful to you as far as walking or just daily home life yes uh sort of very simple things um such as you know they do one where it's just watch so you say to your dog, watch, and it's it's got to look at you. It's got to, because 
a lot of trainers will say, so for instance, if you're out walking your dog, nine out of 10 times before your dog decides to run off and do something that it shouldn't be doing, it will look back and check, check with you first and it will glance back. And if you don't put your command in at that point, you've kind of given it the go ahead to do it. So simple things that you're taught are really beneficial. And also, um, what else was it that we learned that was really good? Well, you know, trying to teach them to leave, how to walk on a lead, which has been massively, you know, really beneficial to us because, you know, you can't have a dog of Enzo's size. I think he's about 60 kg. You can't be dragged along the road by a dog that size. Um, and also impulse control. So trying to teach him that, you know, yes, you see the cat. Yes, you see the fox. You don't have to chase it. So simple things, but they're really sort of beneficial to you in daily life. Okay, so you said 60 kilograms, and I had to look it up really quickly because, again, U.S., U.K., 60 kilograms equals about 132 pounds. So Enzo is quite a large guy. I I did not realize from watching the TikToks and the Instagram videos that he is as large as he is. So I can definitely see where your concern is. That's a lot of dog to handle. That's not something that everybody else can, you know, do. This is, again, why we encourage people to research breeds before they get dogs, because you kind of need to know what you're getting into. And clearly you've taken all the right steps to mitigate some of the side effects of having a larger dog. What about his litter? How many puppies were in his litter? Are they all as big as him? Do you know anything about his parents? I do know the, the, both of his parents came from homes. Um, and the person that's got his mum, I think it is, is it his mum or his dad? The mum, he's still got her and he's got one of the puppies. I'm not 100% sure. I think she had about six or eight puppies, but I, I'm not 100% sure. But Enzo, typical for us, has come out as the biggest one out of them all. And we're still in contact with um, his, you know, some of them. And he is always saying to us, what are you doing with your dog? Why is he so huge? Now, his the litter that we, litter mates we know about are all, considerably smaller than Enzo and it's doubtful that they will come into the ban. It's really interesting. It's it's funny how that works with dogs. Um, something that is just knowledge that I know from being a vet tech is that when you breed dogs, the female dog should always be the bigger of the two dogs. The male dog should always be smaller because when a female dog is carrying puppies, if she's too small for the type of dog that the male is, it can cause her to have problems with birth. It can cause her to die in birth. It can cause her to have to have C-sections because she's not large enough to push the puppies out or carry the entire litter so she can lose puppies, you know, while she's pregnant. But that being said, it does happen sometimes. Fitz is from a litter of two. His mother was rescued off the side of a road and had been hit by a car, she had to have her leg amputated. So she was a tripod, but his mom is only about 25 pounds and his dad is about 35 pounds. And Fitz came out with his brother, Jack, and Jack is only about 35 pounds and Fitz is 50. So Fitz is bigger than his mom, his dad and his brother. So as you, you can see, it, it does happen, but it is just one of those things that all of the dogs come from the same parents, just like humans, but the brothers and sisters can all be different. But that's that big of a, a, a weight range is just really strange how there's always one that's really big and one that's really small. But he also looks quite different to especially his sister. His sister's face is more, I would say, looks more pitbull. Enzo's face, he's got the wrinkles around his face. He's got the wrinkles around his neck. He does even look different to the rest of the litter. And when we first got him, obviously he was, I think, about eight weeks old. And obviously he was tiny. So I think that's another misconception is that you bring home this tiny puppy and you don't you underestimate how big this dog is going to grow and how strong it is going to be. 
One thing that I learned as a vet tech is that paw size when they're puppies is kind of what determines. And if you see a little puppy walking around with big old feet, you know, you're in for, <laughs> you know, you're in for a big dog. Um, but that's something that a lot of people know to look for. Funny you, that you say that because when we first started taking him out, people would say to us, oh, his paws are huge. He's going to be massive. And we're thinking, we hope not. We hope not. But I think when, when a puppy grows with you, they grow with your family. So you don't notice. Yes, we know that he's a big dog, but because he, he's grown with us, so we don't notice it as much, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think that that's, that's a very good way to put it because you still see them as that little tiny puppy that you got originally even when they're six or seven or eight years old even you know way up into their end of days you still see that little baby it's not not your big baby it's it is but it's still that little baby that you got in the beginning so my parents still see me <laughs> i think it's so important when you've got you know especially a larger dog. And I think the socialization is so important. I mean, Enzo's been to doggy daycare um, and we put him in it, first of all, when he was very young, because we thought it would be really good for him to, you know, mix with other dogs and, you know, be used to that. He's been with a dog walker, you know, he goes on the bus, he's been to the pub. We, we you know, we try and socialize him as much as we can. And I think that's really important, really for every dog, but I think especially when you've got a big dog, to, you know, to, to try and prevent them becoming reactive to things. It is really, really important that you get them going early and that you properly socialize and that you have them interact with humans and all of that stuff. The problem is with reactivity is that it can show up at any point in life for absolutely no reason. You can be doing everything right. You can be doing everything consistently. And just one day out of nowhere, the behavior can change. And I think that that is, it's scary, but it's also something that people need to be aware of because that's, again, knowing your dog, knowing their body language, knowing how they react to your commands and how well they follow your direction. On that note, do you use hand signals as well as vocal commands or do you just use vocal? Uh, we use hand signals as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I also use hand signals and vocal commands. Uh, I think it's it just gives that extra edge to reinforce what you're trying to get the dog to do there. I really like that watch command. Uh, that's something mm -hmm. that I would like to implement a little bit more with Fitz. Uh, getting your dog to pay attention to you instead of other things and like you said, in that right moment, it, it can be a vital command to use when a dog is running at you, when a person or a child is running at you and you don't want your dog to freak out or run at them. But it's, also, it's really good for when you're leaving the house as well. So not even necessarily say the watch command. But I don't open the front door until both the dogs look at me and engage with me. And then we go outside. Oh. So they don't drag me out of the door to go to their walk. They, mm -hmm. wait, they wait to acknowledge me and they can sit there for five minutes until they do acknowledge me. And then once they do, it's the same with the watch command. It's look at me, engage with me. Now we can go. That's really excellent because I think that's a, a big contention point is a lot of people do not train their dogs well when it comes to doors. I know plenty of dogs who will run out of the door. And if it's a large dog or a small dog, it doesn't matter. One, you risk it getting away and getting out and then being lost. But two, if there's somebody at the door, you don't know how the dog's going to react to that person. So Training for thresholds is really, really important for any dog. It doesn't matter if it's a big dog or a small dog. So I think that's great that you do that and that you enforce that on a daily basis. One of the difficulties, though, that we're waiting to see at the moment is although, um, you know, the training place we go to, as I said, they're Homewood Hounds. Amazing. Uh, when they first talk, were started to speak about the XL Bully ban that was going to come in, I, I did call the trainer and I said, are we still welcome to come? And he said, absolutely, of course you are. The issue that we've got when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago is when the ban comes in, will their insurance allow them to have banned dogs in the premises? And if they don't, well, you've then got a whole issue that you might want to take your dog to training and now you can't, you're being prevented from doing so. 
which I think this is where I start to already have problems with this band that is happening. I have a lot of problems with the band, but I had a problem with the name, (laughs) the name of the band. Yeah. (laughs) So you have this dog that you're not supposed to have, but I looked at the website and it said that you cannot sell the dog, give the dog away, take the dog to a shelter or just dispose of it. You literally have to surrender the dog to be euthanized if you don't want the dog. No options. It is illegal for you to choose any other method. Yeah, that's correct. And at the moment, the government are giving people £200 compensation to take their dog. Which I looked that up. It's $247 in America. I said this to Josh earlier. You could not pay me $247 for either of my dogs. You would probably have to kill me first before you could take my dogs away from me. I would. I just do not understand how anybody for that little amount of money could trade over part of their family. I mean, my dog is, they're my heart. They're, they're my children for lack of a better term. They're my babies. I could not trade their life for $247, no matter how bad of a situation I was in. No. And the thing is, it, it yet again is going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be the dogs that suffer. Um, but some people have paid an awful lot of money for these dogs, thousands and thousands of pounds. People feed them raw diets and it costs them hundreds of pounds a month to feed their dog. You know, they really look after their dogs well. They spend well over £200 a month on food alone for their dogs. So I don't understand how this is any form of compensation in the first place because it's because it's not. And secondly, anybody that's got any dog, doesn't matter whether it's an XL bully or I don't know, a cockapoo or whatever. That's the, ma- the majority of people, that's your family. Nobody, and, and also a lot of vets here have said they will refuse to euthanize a healthy dog. They don't care if it's an XL bully, they will refuse to euthanize it. Unfortunately, there will be some vets that will do it because the government will be paying them to do it and they're just going to side with the the situation. And that's, that's, you know, the unfortunate part because it is, again, up to the veterinary office to have discretion. And again, you said insurance. I'm not really sure that we have, I know that we have dog trainers who are licensed, insured, bonded, all those things. But if, as far as I'm aware, we don't have any breeds here in America that are not allowed to be trained. Well, I think it's to do with the liability insurance won't cover and breeds. Um, that is one of the stipulations as well under the act. You have to have, if you own an XL bully, you have to have third-party liability insurance. Um, we've actually got it, luckily, and it was really reasonable for us to, to pay for that. Um, and that covers up to three million pounds worth of damage. That that covers property people. But this, once the ban comes in, you will not have an option. You will have to have that liability insurance. I wonder if the price for the liability insurance will go up for bully breeds just because they're going to be banned. If if that's going to change, you know, the profit margin for the insurance companies because they can enforce. No, you're fine. <laughs> I was going to say, I w- would imagine that it will, because over here in the UK, it's quite normal for us to insure our dogs for health care. So, you know, you pay the policy, you pay the first £100 and the rest of it goes on an insurance policy, the same as you would your car insurance. In the UK, you cannot insure your XL bully. You cannot get health care for them. End of that's it. No, no company will accept you. Insurance is newer here in the United States. You can get insurance for your dogs. I don't know that you can get liability insurance for your dogs. That's something that I need to look into and we'll probably have to revisit on another conversation. But pet insurance over here, there's a lot of rules about how old the dog has to be when you put it on the insurance. By the time, you know, pet insurance was more of a normal thing that people did here, both of my dogs were too old to be on it. So I don't personally have pet insurance. 
but I have renters, been. Sorry, renter's insurance over here covers it. Renter's insurance covers pet liability. Okay. So, well, or if you own a house, like my house insurance would cover Artie and any damage. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, but you guys have to take out separate policies for that. Yeah. And how much, again, did you say you paid for that for a year? It was only £25, so very reasonable. We don't know when the ban comes in whether they will change the policy that exempts ban breeds or you have to get a special policy for for a banned breed. But at the moment, it does still stand at the, the standard £25 for the insurance. Okay, so getting into the bully ban here, you said that there are several different dates that things will start to take place that depending on time limitations after litters are born or when the actual ban starts versus, you know, when they have to be spayed and neutered and muzzle trained and all of those things. So let's start with when this goes into effect. So from the 31st of December, 2023, that is when the ban will come into place. So from that date, there will be no breeding, selling, advertising, rehoming, abandoning. And if you own an XL bully from that date, it has to be on a lead and muzzled at all times in any public place. Now, prior to the bully ban going into place, you can file for an exemption, correct? You can. Uh, you have got, so from the end of January 2024 is when the exemption process, so you have to apply by the end of January. We don't yet know what the exemption process is because they haven't released it, so we've got no idea. But it's expected to cost about £92, so about $114. Uh, once you go through the exemption process, again, we don't know what it is, uh, it, your dog will go onto a list of exempt dogs and it must be microchipped, neutered. It says it's got to be kept in a secure place, have the third party liability insurance. If you don't have it by that date, then your dog can be seized and the owner can face criminal actions. This is just unbelievable to me. And at any point in time after the ban goes into effect, if someone feels threatened by something that your dog or someone else's dog that falls into this category of dogs can be called, they can call the police and your dog can be taken in and tested and potentially euthanized. Is that correct? Yeah, we've got something here called the Dangerous Dogs Act, um, where it's it covers every single breed, but it says it's an offence to have a dog of any breed that is dangerously out of control. The issue you've had is you ha already at the moment have a certain amount of breeds that are already banned, and then the XL bully will join that breed. But the definition in the act of out of control actually says any occasion on which there are grounds for reasonable apprehension that that dog will injure either a person or an assistance dog whether or not it actually does so your dog doesn't have to do anything somebody can call the police and say they were scared there's reasonable apprehension and you can get your policies i also looked up about the the complaint online and it said all it is is it one complaint and you can lose your dog it it's not even a a multiple offense kind of thing. It's just, that's all it takes is one. That's it. Yes. But as far as it being, if it happens in a public location, they can automatically seize your dog. So like out in the park, in your front yard, at the grocery store, whatever it happens to be. If someone complains and you're out in public and the police come up, they can just seize your dog and, and that's the end of it. Yeah, that's correct. If you get a complaint where the police come to your home, they will ask to just look at your dog. The recommendations here by dog groups are do not let them look at your dog to get a warrant. Which yes. I also read that they do have to have a warrant to come into your private property, but the warrant doesn't have to be specifically about the dog. And yeah. if they come in for any other reason with a warrant, 
to look into your house and then decide at that point that the dog is a threat, they can take the dog even if the dog isn't part of the warrant. That's correct. And also, if, you know, say, for example, you get into an argument with somebody, you fall out with a friend, whatever the circumstances, and they take it upon themselves to report you to the police for having a dangerous dog, the police will come, you will have two choices, you know, if they've got the warrant, you can put your dog into the police van yourself, or they will forcibly take it and put it into a police van. And then you've got to see a dog that maybe, you know, is being caught with a pole, shoved into a van, into a cage. Some of these dogs aren't cage trained. A lot of dogs aren't. They're family pets. That's distressing for them. They're then taken and put in, put into police kennels. When they're in police kennels, these aren't, you know, these are not very nice environments for dogs. Some people do get their dogs back. They look extremely underweight. Uh, some of them have you know, trauma issues. The amount of time that they're left in the police kennels can be a considerable amount of time, you know, solitary confinement for a long time. And the vets have said sometimes these dogs go into these kennels with no issues whatsoever. But because they've been in solitary confinement for such a long time and it's so stressful for them, by the time it goes to court and you're allowed to have your dog back, it's now got issues and it gets put to sleep anyway. Also, what they do, I have heard, is they will take your dog. You don't know where it's gone. They give you no paperwork as to what kennel. You're people calling every single day. I looked this up because they said that if they take the dog in for testing or if they seize your dog, they can keep your dog for six months to two years yeah. that you are not allowed to visit no. and you're not allowed to say goodbye if they decide to euthanize your dog. Not only are you not allowed to say goodbye, but there have been cases where a dog has been seized the police have said to the owners of the dog or whoever is in the house at the time, you have to sign this piece of paper to say that we've seized your dog. They sign it thinking that's what they've done. They're then calling the kennels and the police to try and find out where is their dog? Is it OK? Can we visit? The answer is no. And in some cases, they've put the dog to sleep the very next day that, that they've seized them. And they don't even tell you that they've done it because you've signed the piece of paper. That's just awful. Yeah, it's really horrible. So for the spaying and neutering, how long do you have to get Enzo neutered? So with Enzo, because he's over one, we've got until the end of June 2024. If you've got a puppy that's under one, you've got until the end, so December 2024, to neuter them or spay okay. them. So they're effectively giving you six months to a year based on the age of the dog. Yeah. I have heard that if... After this 12-31-23 time period, when the ban goes into effect, if they find out that a female dog is pregnant with a litter of potentially bully breed dogs, that they will do an abortion on the dog. Is, is that correct? Have you heard that as well? I believe that's the case. And also, um, when you spoke just when we spoke just now about them taking your dog into police kennels, whilst they're in the police kennels, they neuter and spay your dog. Wow. So when it comes back, that's what's been done to it. No consent, no, you know, it, in some cases the dog, it, you know, you do go to court and you get your dog back. And yeah, they've, they've spayed them or neutered them. One of the other things that you and I talked about in a previous conversation, which I thought was really just kind of unacceptable, was that you said that even if your dog had a DNA test done and it shows no results of any of the bully breeds in the DNA test, that your government will not accept that if the dog looks like a bully breed, they, like the DNA test is not relevant. This is where the issue is coming in with the breed specific legislation, because it's not it's not classed on DNA. We don't believe that they take it into account. It's, I've definitely never heard of it being taken into account. Um, it's basically, if it looks like a bully, it is a bully. I think that's the hardest thing about all of this is that, like you said, this is going into effect in just basically two months here, just under two, under months. two months. And you guys have no, I'm, there's clearly no definition. I've looked up information. I've looked on your government's websites. You guys clearly are trying to stay in the know because you're trying to stay ahead of this because you don't want to lose your dog to this. And we don't want you to lose your dog to this. But there's too much 
there's too much open speculation here. There's too much unknown. And it's seems like for something that's going to kick in here at the end of the year on December 31st, there should be a lot more information out there about what is considered a bully breed. I mean, that was one of my uh, producer notes that I just gave you as, as we went is there's a lot of I believe there's a lot of I have heard. And I mean, you've done the work, you've done the research, you've read the law, and it doesn't answer any of those questions. Uh, and by the time this episode airs, the, the ban will be in place. Just for a few days, it'll have been in place. Yeah. So hopefully by then there will be some more information. In the episode notes, we're going to provide the the resources so that people can look at, you know, what defines the bully breed. But as I said, I was looking at it earlier today and I started measuring my larger dog fits and the 20 inches high from the ground to the floor. He's 20 and a half inches and measuring his shoulder blades and the length of his body and his snout. Now he doesn't have like that blocky face that they're describing. So that would probably exempt it, him from it. Police officer takes the dog. So it'll be the people who are doing it. If they say, oh, it's kind of blocky, he can be taken. There's no clear way of who's taking the dogs. Are the police doing it? Are they going to get a different agency? If your dog's over 20, is it inches? Uh, is, if, if it's a male and it measures 21 to 23 inches from the withers, and if it's a female, it's got to be 19 to 22. So any breed of dog who fits that is at risk, basically. Which that's the thing that just gets me the most because you start talking about the breeds that we could include here. We're talking Mastiffs. We're talking Great Danes. We're talking St. Bernards. We're talking, you know, anything large that's been bred with something else. A German Shepherd bred with a lap can have a big old blocky head. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden this is a bully breed. It sounds like, you know, it's going to eliminate a lot of dogs over there potentially it sounds like they're trying to control what breeds are even over there i know you guys and they're also trying to control a problem in the wrong place because yeah. i've i've never seen aggression out of a larger dog that i haven't seen out of a yorkie or a chihuahua working in the clinic i can tell you that i have been bit by more small dogs than large dogs and i have never been bit by a pit bull but if you, the, one of the issues that I, on Enzo's TikTok page is, oh, you know, he, he, yeah, it's all fine now until he rips someone apart. And I say, but you can get bitten by any dog. Yes, but if you're bitten by a Yorkshire Terrier or a Cockapoo or a Spaniel, you know, it's just a bite. Whereas if you get bit by an XL bully, it's likely to kill you. But a dog bite is still a dog bite from an untrained dog. And that's where the issue is. You can't have a small dog running around biting people and say, it's okay, it's a small dog. It's an adult dog. And there's a big difference between a bite and being mauled by a dog. That's two totally different things. Now, while it's still unacceptable for a big dog to bite and a little dog to bite, a bite is not the same as an attack or a mauling. Those are two totally separate things. And just to automatically assume that these dogs have to have a muzzle on their face because of the way they look, I mean, that's basically the definition of racism for dogs. Well, and I mean, going by that logic, okay, well, every man needs to have a chastity belt if they're out in public. <laughs> This is the exact same argument I had the other day. Um, somebody did come up to us and say that we should get our dog if they don't like the look of it. Because I asked them to recall their dog when we were doing some training. I said to the man, well, I don't like the look of you. Is it acceptable for me to run down the street screaming because I see a man and he's got the potential to rape me? The same as it's not acceptable for you to be, as I like to use the word, breedist towards my dog. I call it dogist, but that's the very, it's the very same thing. Yes. <laughs> have you started muzzle training with Enzo? We have just started. Uh, he's not too keen on it. The reason that I, I haven't rushed to put the muzzle on him and take him out. First, uh, when 
when the, it was news of the band first coming in, I did think that, oh, get the muzzle on him straight away. Now I've got the attitude, he can run around until the 31st of December with no muzzle on. Mm-hmm. I continue to muzzle train him at home and getting comfortable with him having it on his face. But he's just turned one. He's going to live the rest of his life with a muzzle on his face. Anytime gonna, he's out in public. And I'm going to let him enjoy the time he's got. It's going to affect, he's not going to be able to play anymore because it's not just the fact he's going to wear a muzzle. He has to be on a lead that I think it's no longer than two meters long. That's uh, so sad. What about on private property? If you have a fenced in backyard, does he still have to have a muzzle on? Um, no. No, he doesn't. He can he can play or you can rent a private field and he can have his muzzle off, which is what we will probably do. Where we live is not, um, you know, we live in London. There's not an abundance of fields here. So you know, we will have to travel out. I don't know if this will apply to you guys because I don't know if it's live in the UK yet. But here in the US, there is a company called Sniff Spots. And it's people who rent out their backyards so that dogs can play in them for people who have reactive dogs, can't go to dog parks, have dogs that are aggressive, all those kinds of things. So I would look on, they have an Instagram and a Facebook page. They have a website. Um, the owner is somebody that I'm going to try to get to come on to the podcast at a later time to talk about it because I think that it's a great mission because there are so many people out there that can't take their dogs out in public for so many reasons, but don't have access to an area that their dog can safely play in. So it'd be really interesting to see if he plans on or if he already is working on expanding that out into the UK. So take a look into that and I'll look into it and we can maybe revisit on that some more as well. Yeah, I will do. I have also seen people on social media uh, saying that, you know, they'll, they'll give free training to XL bullies, you know, lead walking, muzzle, muzzle training. Some people have said, you know, they've got a field that they're quite happy for bully owners to use. So it is quite nice. I think it's a lot of people coming together, but still, it's still a shame for people that are responsible. And I have also got a concern that when this ban comes in, because I think it's something like estimated 100,000 bullies in the UK. Wow. If you've got to neuter your dog by June, that gives you not much time to do it when you're looking at that that amount of dogs. And mm. vets can only take one to two in a day due to their size. So mm-hmm. how, how, how are you going to get around it? I mean, I suppose with female dogs, it's not so easy to tell. But male dogs walking around is a little bit easier to spot, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely much more visible. And depending on the size of the veterinary clinic and how many surgeries they do a day and the veterinary field already being overloaded because of the shortage of veterinarians worldwide as it is it's going to be just another problem that they're creating for you guys in addition to all of this other stuff that you're already going through now you mentioned before that they had to be kept in a safe area in the home so do you kennel train him as well then no no we don't we don't kennel train him at home he's got he's got the run of the house i can hear him (laughs) we can hear him snoring (laughs) that's great uh how are you going to move forward with the muzzle training i know that you want to give him as much time and freedom as you can before the end of the year here but moving forward are you going to take advantage of those free training or do you have a plan as far as training goes with that well a lot of the free training that i've seen isn't it's not accessible to us it's too far away so there's some really really great resources online that we've been looking at and there's a lot of people showing you how you muzzle train and the correct way to do it you know don't just shove the muzzle on their face and take them outside get them used to it use high reward treats make don't do it up make sure they're comfortable having their nose in it for a certain amount of time before you know take it off and just get them comfortable with it and so that's what we we're doing at home with him until he's quite comfortable with it just going on his face and then we can put on put put it on and take him out I talked to a trainer about muzzle training for this episode specifically, and she said one of the things that she always does when she prepares a dog for muzzle training is that she will get the muzzle out and she will put it on the floor 
and she will treat if the dog sniffs it. She will treat if the dog lays next to it. She will treat if the dog puts his paw on it. it when when Enzo engages, then he gets rewarded positively for re for acting positively to this muzzle that's presented to him. So I think that, you know, just by even slowly letting him get used to the fact that this is something that's going to be around him and in his environment, and like you said, training at home so that he feels safe and comfortable, that's a great way to to start. I think that you guys are doing all of the things correctly. Uh, I think it's just the the whole unknown that's the really, really hard part for you guys, especially with this um, testing that they have to go through in order to get the exemption, because do you, you don't know anything about that. You don't know if somebody will come to your house. You don't know if they'll come and take him. You don't know if it will just be because he was reported or anything. You have no idea. No, none at all. That's really, really unfortunate. That just absolutely... It's mind-blowing. And the difficulty is as well, you know, if your dog gets seized, although that's traumatic for you and you've got to go through all the whole, whole process of trying to get your dog back, but, you know, some people, depending, you know, depending on how close you are with your dogs, you know, some, some people's dogs sleep in their bed with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. <laughs> you know, that's their best friend. And, you know, you're taking these dogs out of that, this environment and putting them in a stone-cold kennel all by themselves and the dog's got no idea what's happened to it and then leaving it there for months and months and months and it's just it's traumatic for everybody i think and also such a waste of time yeah really a waste of time and and money and resources especially you know when you're trying to cram all of these people into these rules that you haven't clearly defined in a certain amount of time and nobody has any expectations of what's about to happen. It just, I think you're going to have a lot of chaos and that's really unfortunate and stressful for everyone. Sounds like dogs it. (laughs) (laughs) One of the other things that you and I had talked about is that you said that in the UK that you guys do not have a leash law. No, we don't. Which then just kind of makes this whole situation elevated a little bit more because now you have to have a leash and you have to have a muzzle if you have a certain type of dog. But if somebody's random dog is to run up to you while you guys are out on a walk and attack your dog, who's the guilty party in that? There's not, from what I believe, the the police don't really care too much about dog on dog attacks. It's dog on human. Okay. Um, I have seen on Enzo's on his TikTok, we've got a lot of dog friends on there, obviously a lot of XL bullies. And I've seen several posts on there of people that have taken their XL bully out with a muzzle on and it's been attacked. And it can't defend itself and it can't get away because it's on a lead. And yeah, uh, it's, it's horrendous. There was actually a case where somebody had gone out. There was a There was a fight between an XL bully and a Labrador. The owners got in the middle of it and got bit, both sets, I believe. It was reported to the police. They came along, they took the XL bully. They made the owners, they put what they call a muzzle order. So this XL bully now cannot leave the house. This was before the ban. Cannot leave the house without a muzzle on. But the Labrador, no muzzle order. <laughs> and do they know which dog was biting? Was it both dogs? Was it? No, the... From what I believe, the XL bully's owner said the Labrador bit them. And then the Labrador's owner said the XL bully bit them. But then ah. if you go along the media, then surely they should be dead because you can't trust an XL bully because if it bites you, it'll kill you. Wow. That's absolutely unbelievable. Because of the poison. The poison. The poison in the teeth. <laughs> Dear right. God. Don't start that rumor because there is no poison in dogs' teeth. Not any breed of dog. There is no poison in their teeth. I mean, Yorkies maybe because of all the bacteria. <laughs> That's small breed mouths my, in general. Yeah. Another thing that you guys don't have over there is dog parks. You said you don't have... No, not designated dog parks. They're just, just dogs are everywhere. So they don't even have an area that's just designated for dogs that could be potentially marked as a safe time for bully breeds to participate in without there being other bully 
or other breeds around other than the bully breeds? No, not that I'm aware of. I've never seen one um, and I don't know of any. Another thing of note that you mentioned when we talked the other day was that it's illegal to crop ears and dock tails in the UK. Yes. I think that this is fantastic because dog health reasons. I mean, dogs are born with ears and tails for a reason. But do they, how do they enforce that? I mean, this is just another odd thing that, you know, you guys have as a rule over there. But how do you enforce something like that? I don't think they really do enforce it. I, you know, there is something that says that it is illegal if you do get caught you can face up to six months imprisonment and or a fine. But wow. I don't know who, who I, you know, have the police got the time to stop you when you're walking your dog and say who cropped there is. You know, if you've got an imported dog, then you're allowed to, you know, if it's already been done, mm-hmm. set the dog. So, yeah, I've, I've never heard of. That's really interesting. The most things of note here for the certificate exemption, when this goes into to affect your dog must be spayed or neutered they must be microchipped they must be kept on a lead and muzzled at all times in public and they must be kept in a cure secure place so that they cannot escape during the daytime those are that is legitimately what it says on your government's website but that is the extent of it i word for word copy and pasted it into my notes because there is no definitions there is no it's very confusing you don't know even like what place is it could be it's just anything really like is your garden secure it could be to one police officer but another one could come see it and it might be considered not secure well they do think that you will have to have six foot high fences in your garden and a locked padlocked gate but there's nothing confirming or denying it's just very confusing up in the air wow well, and it's like Charlie said earlier, it all depends on the police officer that responds and decides, you know. With all of this happening, what is it like taking Enzo out for walks? It's difficult, very difficult. A lot of people, they always cross the road. They give you looks. Some people say things. You get told you shouldn't be walking your dog here. You get a lot of it online because everyone's saying everything online. But in person, it's not great. We actually had one newspaper, I don't know if he was an editor, um, on Twitter say that what they should do is bung people a couple of quid for their dogs, round them all up and shoot them all in the head. Well, and with them offering money for people to euthanize dogs, it's not that far off from that terrible statement. But this is the issue as well, because this is somebody in the media, and that mm. is their story. So every time a story comes out, it's always an XL bully type dog. Suspected. But it's never, but a lot of times it, they don't say suspected. Mm-hmm. It's just XL bully type. Sometimes it isn't an XL bully that has caused the damage. And sometime later on in the, in the paper, they will print something so minute no one can see it that says it wasn't one. Or the stories that they're giving out aren't accurate. There was a story not very long ago where someone had got killed. The story in the newspaper was that there was this guy walking his dog, his puppy. He, the XL bully came out of the house. He bent down to pick up his puppy and the XL bully lunged at him and killed him. The story that was going around on social media, I don't know if this is true, was that the guy was breaking into the house and had smashed the window to steal the puppies that were in the house, and the dog went for him. Now, that's not reported in the media. And a lot of dogs, if you, you know, my dad's got a German Shepherd. I would not want to walk into my dad's house without announcing I was there, because Mm. I could not be 100% that he wouldn't think this is someone breaking in and go for me. And that's just a general, that's an owner etiquette thing. In general, you know, people who just walk up to dogs and start petting them without asking, people who put their face in other dogs' faces, people who just automatically assume that a little dog is friendly, kids walking up behind dogs and grabbing them by their tails or their ears. These are things that 
should be common sense, but are not taught as common sense. It's etiquette. You, this is an animal. It is not a human. It does not communicate the same way that we do. And in order for us to not have incidents, we need to be responsible ourselves. So that's one thing that I always enforce to everybody is you ask to pet the dog. You don't just get in the dog's face. You don't startle a dog because as perfectly well-behaved as they could be or as friendly as they normally are, that one time could be a problem because of what someone else did. Not anything that you did, but because of someone approaching your dog in an incorrect manner. I think that's a lot of it as well because it's it's the owner that needs the training really, not the dog. This is what my owner says. Harder to train you than it is to train your dog. Um, and, you know, there was an incident that went around here that, you know, there was an XL bully that, that got out of control in a busy high street and I think attacked about three or four people. The dog had, so they say, slipped his collar. Well, why had he slipped his collar? It should have been secure. Mm-hmm. And what they didn't report about at the time was when the dog was taken to the vet, he was suffering. It was a very hot day and he was suffering with heat exhaustion and dehydration. But you've got to be pretty stupid to be walking your dog out in, you know, extreme heat temperatures for I don't know how long the dog was walked you know we all know that that's not a sensible idea so why you know a lot of it is it's it's the owners it's not the dogs and this is the problem that we've got there's no training there's no laws for owners you anyone can breed a dog anyone can own a dog there's no requirement for you to own a dog only to adopt and that's the the last thing that I want to touch on with you guys is we had talked about this previously as far as adopting animals in the UK, apparently it's very difficult process in the UK to actually adopt a dog. Yeah. Why is that? I guess because they want to make sure that the dogs go to good homes. I think that they want to be covered as well if the dog gets yeah, out of control. But, you know, this is some of the issue. It's that, you know, you've got to have a secure garden. You've got to have a six foot fence. You're not allowed to dog more than five hours I mean I wouldn't personally leave a dog more than five hours anyway but you need to you need to have um show that you can give the dog enough exercise and enough stimulation and if you buy a dog you don't need to do any of that just because you don't have a garden actually might work out better because you can't just open the back door let your garden go let your dog go out in the garden go to the toilet and come back in when you don't have a garden you have to get yourself up get yourself ready and take your dog out Mm -hmm. you know that rules out anybody that lives in in a flat you can't adopt a dog I think certain ones they certain centers won't let you rehome a dog if you've got children under a certain age so there's a lot of requirements whereas if you just go and buy a dog you buy a dog. And you guys also have an overpopulation shelter issue over there as well, correct? Yes. Max capacity. They can't take in more XL bullies, they've said. Yeah, they won't take in yeah. any XL bullies. So it's like kids, you know, like anybody could just go out and have a kid. But if you want to adopt a kid. <laughs> it's yeah. much more complicated and, and apparently not very expensive. It's more expensive to go buy a dog in the UK. Yeah. but. It's, it's- if you get one from us, from what you would have as a shelter, it costs about £160, you know, give or take a bit, depending on where it is. So that's, I think, about, is it? $170? $190. Yeah. It's about yeah, the that's same, about right. it's about that's the about same what it for is an here. adoption fee here. Yeah. But we don't have as many of those restrictive... Depends on the, the it rescue. It does depend on the rescue. Um, I know around in this area for fur fun, um, to get Odie and to get... Um, already we had to show that we had a, a fenced in yard because of the types of dogs they were. Mm-hmm. They they assess the dog for um, activity levels and energy and that kind of thing. And so when they came to us, we basically had to agree because Artie was overweight. We had to agree that we would work to bring her down, her weight down, um, that she was in an okay environment, um, that she got along with Odie, which she got along for a while. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, there are higher end rescues, I'll say, that have more requirements, but then there are like shelters and things like that that just don't have the capacity 
for what they have. And so they'll tend to be a little more lax. Well, that was Toby for me. I mean, I went to a shelter and they had a $5 adoption day at the shelter for Toby. And he had bitten every single person that worked at that shelter. And they didn't even want to let me get him out. They basically made me sign every form except for the last signature on the adoption papers in order to like take him into a quiet room because they were afraid that he was going to bite me. And Toby's only 12 pounds. And as soon as he went into that private room with me and curled up and went in to sleep in my lap, they looked at me and they said, oh, you're, you're taking him, right? I mean, no questions asked. N- no, do you have a yard? Are you going to exercise him? N- nothing. They just said, sign this paper, pay your $5 and take him. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. It's, it's really difficult. Uh, the one of the other issues as well that we didn't speak about was our social housing here. Mm-hmm. If you a lot of social housing landlords have got a clause in their tenancies that you can't have a bam, bam dog. That's the same here as well. There's a lot of landlords. There's actually it's gone to the to the city level where it's, cities have said you can't have this these t- breeds of dogs. And it's not even the breeds. It's more about the weight and the size because of the size of the apartments. We don't. I don't think that we have any banned breeds in Iowa. I know that there are other states that have banned breeds. I know Florida just recently removed their ban on pit bulls, which is great. Um, Here, it's if your dog is, you know, a registered service dog or an emotional support dog, they can't fight you on it, no matter what the breed or size is. But depending on the size of the apartment, the number of occupants, all of those things, it sets a limit. And it's usually only two pets max. And that's I think the the weight range is usually 20 to 40 pounds max. Anything over that is really difficult to get into most apartment complexes. There are some that are not terrible about it or will allow you to have large dogs and even advertise for it. But uh, it's not, I can't imagine how difficult it would be for people, especially because we have a lot of pit bulls around here. We have a lot of pit bulls here in, in our hometown. And if there were not apartment complexes that didn't allow large breed dogs, I don't know where a lot of people would live. That's the issue we've got. And and I think it's really difficult because, you know, you haven't gone out and bought or acquired a banned breed dog. Your family loving pet has become a banned breed dog. And now you're mm-hmm. going to, have to make the choice. Do you keep your home or do you live on the street with your dog? Especially mm-hmm. ones that are, you know, older you Enzo is only a year old, but some of these dogs are much older and maybe even into their geriatric years. This is this is just really, really sad. And I hope that we can stay in touch and you guys can keep me updated. And maybe down the road, we can have you come back on another episode and just kind of update us on your situation and how things are going with Enzo. The last thing I want to touch on here with you is I know you guys are trying to fight this law. And here, obviously, in America, there are a lot of people who are with you on this. You have a lot of support over here, especially from the social media following. Um, I've seen so many videos reposted about this. What is the best way that we can help you fight this? Okay, so the best way that people can help us is, you know, as we know, the ban is at the moment going to go ahead. So even though the law has been written, it's not yet in place until the 31st of December. So we've got a very small window of opportunity to challenge. Uh, There's a group that we've got here called the Don't Ban Me, License Me group. And they're also backed by someone called David Wilson, who's the ABKC president in America. Um, And they have instructed a barrister called John Cooper, and he has started the fight to, I don't know whether we can overturn this. Uh, So basically what he's done is he's done what we call here a pre-action protocol, giving the government 14 days to respond, or we will take it to court. If they don't respond within the 14 days, then we will take it further and get this in front of a judge and hopefully 
a judge will agree that the government need to re-look at this and something else can happen. There is, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost about £150,000. There is a GoFundMe page that's been set up. Uh, we currently got, I think, about £66,000 that people have donated already. But if people really want to help, we really need donations. Even a pound, a dollar, anything that anyone can give. And if they can't afford to give, share it. And, it, you know, just get as many people donating as you can. Um, and that that's what we need right now. Okay. In the episode notes, we're going to have a link to the laws and the GoFundMe. And like I said, after this episode is published, it will be after the 31st of December. But hopefully things will be going in the right direction and maybe it won't have gone into place yet and people will still be able to donate and help to the cause. So I will have those resources available for people. And hopefully, like I said, we'll get you guys back and we'll have a more positive update. But we really just wanted to get this information out there and kind of help people understand that this is so much of a struggle for you guys, especially with it being so many unknowns for you and so also doing my uh my uh, putting on my producer hat and kind of doing some research while we've been talking um there are 28 states in the united states that have uh that allow breed bands so if you're listening to this and you're like it's the uk it's not this is one of the worst case scenarios that we can stop now before it becomes codified in another place and it will spread from there. So even if you're not concerned about the UK, you should be, but even if you're not, look to your own state, look to your own area, see what's going on. I mean, I'm hoping that we get uh, Preston Moore, who is uh, the uh, chair of the Humane Society of Iowa. Um, he's been fighting these bands in communities across Iowa for years. Um, and we do have several communities that uh, in one case, uh, it's just flat dogs over 100 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are not alone. We are here for you. And again, like I said, we will reach back out and get an update on how you guys are doing and how Enzo is doing, and especially with his muscle training. And hopefully everything will be positive. But we, we support you guys and we don't want you guys to feel alone um, and know that you guys providing this information and spreading awareness is a huge help and it brings the community in closer together. So thank you very, very much, Charlie and Nicola for being here and we will see you guys next time on Straight Up Dog Talk. Thank you, thank you for so having much. us.